It's Monday of the third week of Lent. Welcome to today's Lentcast. This is Father John Zulsdorf. San Marco is the Roman station today. It's near the Piazza Venezia, and that means it's close to the Capitoline Hill, which is the heart of pagan Rome's religious cult. That's where the Temple of Jupiter Optimus Maximus was. The mark in question is surely Pope St. Mark, but also venerated here is Mark the Evangelist, who was in Rome helping St. Peter. In 336, Pope Mark, during the time of Constantine, is said to have established a place of Christian worship in a house here. In the same year, Pope Mark died after natural causes rather than as a martyr, after only a few months of being Pope. You may recall that many of the oldest churches were built in the locations of houses where early Christians met, and San Marco may be a house church, reaching back to the time, perhaps even of the evangelist. There were basilicas here in the 4th and 6th century, and then the 9th century also, which is the basilica that survives today, with a lot of renovations. In the mosaic, you see Pope Mark and Agnes, the virgin martyr so dear to the Romans, along with Pope Agapetus and Philicissimus. And there's Pope Gregory the Fourth as well, who was still alive when the mosaic was made, so he has that little square halo. Beneath, courtly sheep elegantly process from each side toward the lamb who was slain. Because of the association with St. Mark, this church also has a long association with Venice, where in the cathedral of San Marco the body of the evangelist now rests. San Marco is the national church of the Venetians in Rome. The loggia, built on the front of the basilica by Pope Paul II in the 15th century, harks to the loggia that was on the first basilica of St. Peter, built by Constantine and later torn down to make room for the, the present little chapel on the hill. You will see on entering two medieval lions flanking the entrance, and within a marble basin with a great inscription imposing an anathema on anyone who might try to sell the water from the fountain. The wooden coffered ceiling inside the church is the oldest in Rome. From Pius Parsha's The Church's Year of Grace For us who have lost paradise through pride and haughtiness, there is no other way to health than the low road of humility. Paul says it so beautifully, Be humble, as Christ was, for although he was God, he emptied himself and assumed the nature of a slave, humiliating himself unto death, yes, even death on a cross. For us, too, humility is the great test. God puts us in a certain state of life, takes away good health, demands personal sacrifices, and we must submit. Much of the Church's discipline serves as excellent training in humility, that is, public and private confession, and faith itself requires humility. Let us again reflect on the mystery of divine selection. From Meditations for Each Day by Cardinal Bacci Science is too easily glorified today, but knowledge for the sake of knowledge does not lead us to God, and is very often stupidity or worse. It can be an instrument of evil and of physical and spiritual destruction. 
This is why St. Paul wrote, Let no one rate himself more than he ought, but let him rate himself according to moderation, and according as God has apportioned to each one the measure of faith. Knowledge puffs up, he says, but charity edifies. The humble knowledge of oneself, the imitation of Christ tells us, is a surer way to God than deep researches after science. Knowledge is not to be blamed, but a good conscience and a virtuous life are always to be preferred. But because many take more pains to be learned than to lead good lives, therefore they often go astray. So let us learn everything which our position in life requires of us, and as much besides as we are able. But above all, let us learn to be good and holy. If we fail in this, the rest is useless and dangerous. <laughs>